Boys in Europe wear skirts for equality. Abortion advocates keep destroying their own arguments, and it's time to learn, Christians, how to thrive as inflation soars. Welcome to your favorite night of the week. This is The Deep End on Tim Hatch Live. Yeah, welcome back, everybody. It has been too long. It's been two long weeks since we've been together on the deep end. My name is Tim. I'm your humble host of this channel here on youtube.com slash Tim Life. Make sure that you are clicking that like button right below me and the subscribe button. And also get that notification bell clicked so that you can always be notified on your smartphone when we go live. Well, I'm here to help you during these crazy times so that you don't lose your mind. And I'm not alone tonight. I'm not alone. And I am really excited about tonight's episode. I actually have some partners with me. Partners not in crime, but partners for the appointed time. How about that? Uh, they are waiting by, standing by on Zoom. There they are. Wave, guys. How you guys doing? That's Dan Rayberg and Lisa Collagio. And they will be presenting some insight into how to manage through these high inflation uh, months that we have been going through as a country. And, and, and I'm so happy that they are here. And then we are also going to take your questions. So here's the deal. Drop your questions about financial issues in the chat below. Or you can text anonymously to 508-316-9333. So comments below or you're, you want to be anonymous, that's fine. 508-316-9333. And my team is going to text me your questions. It is uh, episode nine of season five on the deep end. And I am so honored that you spend, you're spending some time on Tuesday night with me. Uh, so, you know, I know we are going to talk about inflation, but... <laughs> The, the reality is we got to talk about some news because, let's be honest, it's our favorite segment on the show at Tim Hatch Live. So let's get into Deep End News. Deep End News. News and views that don't make us news. <laughs> okay, so hard fact, everybody. And here's the news headline. Hard fact, the world is cray cray. The world is solidly losing its mind on a day by day basis. And when it comes to the crazy, please look no further than across the pond. That is the Atlantic to our European neighbors who are typically about 10 to 15 years ahead of the US on get on the get more crazyometer, right? So this is from the dailymail.com. And this headline just blows me away. Look at this headline. Primary school after asks boys and teachers to wear skirts to class to, quote, promote equality. <laughs> the times are cray-cray. So this article goes on and it says a primary school was asked, or I'm sorry, has asked boys as well as girls as young as three. <clears throat> I'm, I'm choking on that number. Three to go in and wear skirts to promote equality. But the request from Castleview Primary in Edinburgh has been criticized by some parents. Now, I'm mortified, not so much by the fact that the school system did this because the schools are losing their minds, but it was criticized by only some parents, like not most, not all, not everyone. Some parents were like, mm, that's a problem. Like, that's insane to me. But anyway, it follows a similar move in Spain where teachers and children have worn skirts to show solidarity with a boy who was expelled for wearing a skirt last year. November 4th in Spain is now, quote, wear a skirt to school day. 
This is the modern world. If aliens ever come and invade, they're going to be like, these people are going to be so easy to dominate. The article goes on. It even offered to provide skirts for some youngsters if none were suitable at home because the parents were actually normal. One mother called Megan with a son at school tweeted, my son is five and just got this from school. Let kids be kids. I guess she was kind of against it in that tweet. That could have been a little bit more clear. I don't know. Another Twitter user called Nicola replied, if a boy wants to wear a skirt to school, he should be allowed. But why put pressure on people to ask their son to wear a skirt or be seen as some sort of bigot? Why? Why, Nicola? Because what is happening right now in the progressive secularization culture, the secularization culturalization of the modern West is exactly what people like me saw coming down the road 15, 20 years ago. You know, I'm old enough to remember when the argument for gay marriage, when the argument for transgender rights, when the argument for all the LGBTQIA, LMNOP, QRSDUV people was that what they wanted was just to be themselves privately and not bother you and their gay marriage would have nothing to do with your heterosexual marriage. So, so why hold us back from happiness? And we're not going to impose on you and it's not going to have any impact on you. Wrong. Wrong, 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 wrong. Now, and, th and this is just this is just a drop in the in the future bucket of of uh, dis of sexualization of our minors, of sexual confusion of kids as young as three that is being foisted upon our children through the school systems. See, this is this is what I saw coming down the road. When you when you remove boundary stones, the scripture talks about this. Don't remove ancient boundary stones. In other words, somebody put that there for a reason. There's a reason why marriage was constrained from all the other cultures of the world to man and woman. There's a reason why homosexual marriage was never a thing until literally six years ago in the world. There's a reason why, because human history has proved that this is harmful and confusing and disastrous long term for culture. And we are only seeing the beginning of the erosion of all that is normative in our world. Hey, let me know if you're watching down in the chat. I'm so glad that you're here. And you guys, you got to stand for truth here. You've got to stand for truth. We've got to speak up. We've got to defend godly <laughs> truth, particularly about human sexuality. And we've got to stop caving. There are evangelical Christian leaders and pastors that are caving to the progressive sexuality of our country, embracing gay marriage, performing gay marriages, uh, embracing Pride Month. You know, we're just trying to love them. We're just trying to uh, understand them. No, no, look, there, there, is, there is a movement behind this movement and it is not healthy for anyone. And the thing is, is that once you give in to the sexual progressives of our culture, it is uh, like in the words of Jenny Lind from The Greatest Showman, when you give in to them, it is never enough. It is never never enough never enough. i mean it just goes on and on and on and the more you give in the more ground you surrender on the truth of scripture on what is healthy for human flourishing the more they take the more they take and, and, and we saw this coming down the pike 15 20 years ago when they all said we're not going to do anything to you we're not going to foist anything on you stop being intolerant and just accept and now it's moved from being tolerant to accepting to celebrating and now to forcing that's where we are now so move from accepting gay, tolerating gay marriage and homosexuality and transgenderism to uh accepting it to celebrating it and now your kids are going to be forced to participate in it <laughs> stand for truth here's how you stand for truth share this video with somebody you know will hate it <laughs> share this video, click on that share button and send it to somebody at work who you know will hate it. Maybe I'll get some thumb down, thumbs, thumbs down. So give me a thumbs up to counter all the thumbs down that might happen because you shared the video. Anyway, 
it's clown world. It's clown world. And I bring you to Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live, uh, where comic legends used to be uh, gainfully employed. <laughs> now they are just political shills. Uh, in this last episode, which I don't even watch Saturday Night Live, I had to see this in my Twitter news feed. But in this last episode on Saturday Night, Weekend Update, which Norm MacDonald, may he rest in peace, used to nail that segment. It was hilarious. No more. SNL has given up comedy for uh, indoctrination. They paraded out a character named Goober the Clown. I kid you not, Goober the Clown. To do what? To talk about the benefits of her abortion at age 23. Ladies and gentlemen, Goober the Clown. This person, I don't know who she is. She's an actor on SNL. And she got up there in a clown outfit. And the message was... <laughs> this grown woman dressed up as a clown to present the idea that having an abortion at age 23 helped her achieve her dreams of dressing up as a clown on national television, T television, television. Blech. I'll just let that ring out in the air for a moment while I repeat it on Saturday Night Live. A grown woman dressed up as a clown to present the idea that having an abortion helped her achieve her dreams of dressing up as a clown on national television. <laughs> This is where we are. This is where we are. It's a bizarre skit. It is not funny. And I was just thinking to myself, this is how abortion advocates expose themselves for the lunatics they are. Because when you lose the value of human life in the, in the womb, all bets are off for your brain. All bets are off for your sanity. I mean, this is now considered, what, uh, empowerment? Like, when you see this woman, do you see empowerment? Do you see her... Wow, I want my daughter to grow up to be like that. Like that is this image is so much more empowering than I don't know, maybe this image. <laughs> yeah, right. Like I just let me ask you a question, parents of daughters, which which one do you want for your kids? Which do you imagine your daughter to one day grow up to be? Hmm, hard choice. Not. But this is clown world. This is clown world. This is where we are going because when you remove the ancient boundary stones, when you make marriage not a thing by making it anything and everything, when you confuse children about sexuality and gender, when you indoctrinate them through stupid days in which boys are commanded to wear skirts to school, you get clown world. And it reminds me of last October when this woman was paraded on television for the state of Oregon. This woman dressed up as a clown for the state of Oregon one night. She put on clown makeup to talk about, and I kid you not, this is not, this is so dis disturbing. It's not funny, but it's funny to talk about the number of deaths from COVID and the number of cases from COVID that day. And this was a licensed pediatrician in the state of Oregon who was telling the state how many people died from the disease dressed as a clown. We, we've lost our minds. Over the last 20 months, we've officially lost our minds. It's just getting worse and worse. And that brings me to a city in the state of Oregon that just passed a law that provides a brand new employment benefit for birthing people to stay politically correct. <laughs> so this is from OB... OPB.org, and I want to put this up on the screen. The title of the article, Advocates Say Portland is the First in Nation to Provide Bereavement Leave for Employees After Abortion. Yeah, <laughs> bereavement leave for employees after abortion. In other words, the city just made a law that because you might need to 
grieve your abortion, you now get paid leave in the city of Portland to do so. Uh, to which live action the pro-life website rightly headlined this article, Portland abortion bereavement leave law for employees begs the question, who died? Right, yeah, exactly. If abortion is so freeing and so empowering for women, why do you need time off from work to be sad about it? I seem to remember that when I got my college degree, I felt empowered and I didn't need time off to celebrate it. I wanted to get to work. <laughs> when I had my children, I didn't want to. Uh, I did have time off when I had my children. That was exhausting. Well, not much time off because I'm a man. <laughs> but I, I looked at the term bereaved and this is what I saw in my Mac dictionary. The term bereaved means, look at this, to be deprived of a close relation or friend through their death. So the law ber is bereavement leave, which means that you are given time off to Mourn the death of a close relation or friend who died. I thought abortion was just a clump of cells being sucked out of a woman's stomach and torn limb from limb by surgical uh, scissors. Serious. This is wicked irony here. By the way, the city of Portland Council voted to pay for bereavement leave through the taxpayer dollars of the city of Portland following an abortion. But they also voted to fund abortion with tax dollars as well. So get this in the city of Portland, your tax dollars pay you to kill your child and then pay you to mourn killing your child. This is the lunacy that we are experiencing because we have removed ancient boundary stones. But who knows? Maybe some young girl in Portland will grow up to be an SNL star dressed as a clown and totally unfunny, living her dream because of her abortion at age 23. Who knows? Anything can happen. The fact of the matter is, ladies and gentlemen, the world is cray cray. Circling back to England, where our new segment began, and shifting gears to the inflation problem, we've got to talk about this. We've got to talk about your finances because finances are out of control again. Financial questions and comments, please, in the chat below. Want to answer your questions today. And also, if you don't want to be known, you can text your questions straight to 508-316-9333. 508-316-9333. Okay, we're totally live. Totally taking your questions in just a moment. But here from the BBC, this article I ran across, uh, buyer's remorse over pandemic purchases is now a thing. So... You know, the pandemic happened, the lockdowns happened, and everybody started to buy a bunch of stuff that they didn't really need. But they thought, I need to occupy my time now because the government is paying me to stay at home. One in 10 people from this article have expressed their regret over buying items such as hot tubs, uh, DIY tools, uh, Peloton bikes, <laughs> exercise equipment. That is now gathering dust and in many cases has been yard sailed already. Gaming equipment. Um, bikes, clothing, jewelry, music equipment, kitchen appliances, bread makers. Bread makers is still a thing. I didn't even know that. But anyway, evidently during the pandemic, people bought bread makers, garden furniture, pizza ovens, hot tubs all appeared on the great on the regret list. And I think that we are nearing an end for the pandemic because I'm a stock guy. I'm an investment guy, and I, I, I like to follow the market. Peloton stock, which banks on you staying at home and working out, has tanked in the last two or three days. It has collapsed. This stock used to be at 150 some odd dollars. I think it reached $160. So the pandemic, you know what? I always say this, you wanna know what's up, follow the money. And if the money is not there in Peloton stock is because the big time hedge fund guys know something that you, the average consumer, do not know. Follow the money. The pandemic is nearing its end. 
I don't know about all these vaccine things, this mandates and all this kind of stuff. I know they're just Biden is pushing this down our throats. And even though the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals just put a stay on Biden's uh, uh, vaccine mandate, he's, I guess, going to foist it upon employers anyway, and thus breaking the system of checks and balances. What a great time we live in. But anyway, Peloton stock is diving because, because people no longer want to work out at home. They want to get to the gym. They want to get out. And they're going to get out and they're going to find something meeting them at the front door. And that thing meeting them at the front door is called inflation. Hello. Inflation is happening and it's hitting us hard and it's hitting you hard. Is it not? And, and, and here's why I do this show because I'm a pastor and I got to be honest with you. I love preaching the gospel and we will talk about the gospel tomorrow night on the deep dive. But what I do this show for is so that I can talk about all the other things that need to be talked about from a Christian perspective. And I believe that even economics need to be discussed um, by your spiritual leaders that I am so tired. I, again, questions, comments below or text them if you want to be anonymous. I'm so tired of the pastors of our current moment, the cool church pastors, the big evangelical church pastors who are all about, you know, celebrating you and, you know, you defeating your giants and doing all these, talking about all these spiritual ethereal things, but never really giving people just good content that helps them live godly flourishing lives. That's what we want to do on the deep end. We want to talk about things that matter. So inflation's real. It's here. And now even the mainstream news media is acknowledging that it's here to stay. So that brings me to a brand new segment on the deep end. I've done this segment before, but now it's got a fancy video bumper. It's called Deep End Onomics. Oh, I like George Bush, George Washington in my beard. I don't know about you. That's a good look on him. Anyway, what is inflation? Let's talk about it because we need to understand it. The Federal Reserve defines inflation as the increase in prices of goods and services over time. So think of it like this. There's somebody blowing a balloon and it's being inflated. There's something blowing air into a balloon. Is That's the picture that we have to see of inflation. Now, the question is, what is being blown into the balloon. Uh, another way of saying it is inflation is, quote, too many dollars chasing too few goods. Now, I'm going to answer the question, what's being blown into the balloon? Here's what's being blown into the balloon. Fake money. And I'm not talking about money that people print on their computers at home. I'm talking about money that the government prints that really loses its value the more they print it. And people don't understand economics anymore because they're too busy being taught gender theory and lesbian dance theory at colleges and not being taught how to manage their money anymore. Ladies and gentlemen, the U.S. government printed, quote unquote, printed $3.38 trillion since the pandemic began. That's the latest stats that I could research. That's from March 2020, March 2020. Quick note, by the way, one in five dollars right now are less than two years old in our economy. That's not good. 20% of our money has been poof, created out of thin air. And you say, well, what's so bad about that? We can all use more money. Uh, that's why you're paying $4 for gasoline. That's why you're paying $6 for a gallon of milk. That's why it's eating away at your savings, your paycheck, your college fund, if you have one or had one. Inflation is when prices go up on consumer goods at rapid levels. And listen, it always hurts the poorest of the poor. 
It always hurts the poorest of the poor. So where are we in history? I've got this chart for you first. This chart shows inflation over year over year since 2011, uh, the percentage. So 3% 2011, 1.7 2012, 1.5 2013, on and on and on it goes. We are at 5.4%, and I just heard a report that is, I, I'm pretty sure it's real, that we are in October at 8% for the month, year over year. This, this is insanity. So... Right now, inflation is potentially three to four times higher year over year. Prices of goods three to four times higher uh, than, I'm sorry, percentage higher than last year. Let's break that down, by the way, by month. And this is also another chart I want to show you. So January, it was 1.4%. February, 1.7%. 2.6 in March, April, 4.2. And then, but from May onward, it was above 5%. 5% higher cost of living in this country since May. And it's going up and up and up. And it shows no signs of slowing down. In fact, I know it shows no signs for slowing down because I logged on to Google News today and I found these articles. These are the articles on Google News. Like even the mainstream news media can't cover for the failures of our federal government right now anymore. Here were the uh, headline articles. Uh, CNBC, how inflation is impacting your paycheck. The earnings of workers have eroded in recent months. CNN, prices are skyrocketing. Goldman Sachs says prices will go even higher. Uh, NPR, inflation has a 30-year high. Here's how Federal Reserve plans to deal with it. Wall Street, fi Wall, uh, Yahoo Finance, Wall Street is starting to get antsier about inflation and Fed rates. CNN, even CNN, key inflation report, prices aren't coming back to earth anytime soon. So just in time for winter, you're going to be paying way more for gas, way more for oil, way more for food, you know, those times in which you actually have to stock up on those things. Yeah, get ready for your, your price gouging to begin. You say, well, how did this happen? Here's how it happened. When a country does two things, when a federal government, well, you could say a state government, but this is the problem with our country right now. Instead of being state government run, we are federal government run. We're becoming more and more centralized, depending on Washington, D.C., to do everything for us. But when a country encourages not working through federal stimulus money, printed money, not real money, and gives people cash on a regular basis, the value of what that cash can buy goes down. I did this a couple of months ago, two months ago, I think. I put this up, this graphic up on the screen. I'll put it back up. Free money from the government plus people quitting over the mandates creates a current, a, an increasing labor shortage. When you have less people making things, you have less things. When you have less things and more money, it costs more money to pay for those things, thus creating higher prices. And here's the real kicker about inflation. The higher prices happen on basic needs. So we're not talking about an exclusive resort that is just unique and people want to go there or you know a certain kind of car that's just kind of special in the eyes of many people. No, we're talking about milk. We're talking about chicken. We're talking about gasoline. And these basic need prices going up hurts who? The poor. The poor are the ones who suffer the most. The people who can manage the season easily are the people who aren't poor. And this is the problem with our government right now. You know, the Democrats, they always, they always campaign on, we're for the little guy, we're for the little guy, we're for the little guy. And then, they're in, and then their policies are enacted and the little guy suffers the most. This is, this is why economics need to, needs to be discussed by spiritual people who aren't politicians. And, the, and, the, and the, the thing about money from the government, it is always bait and switch, guys. It's always bait and switch. The government dangles a little carrot over your head. It says, if you vote for me, I'm going to give you money. If you vote for me, I'm going to give you money. And a lot of people, and I saw in the post-election stats and surveys, a lot of people voted for Biden based on the fact that he was fighting so hard to give you free money. But here's the switch. 
Here's the switch. The switch is that poor people suffer, and this is probably the most important switch that affects all of us. Are you ready for it? All the, quote, free money from the government that you got over the last 18 months is now going into your gas and grocery bill, just averaged out over time so that you don't notice. My friends, there is no such thing as free money. Never has been, never will be. And this is something about the government that you don't understand, you might not understand. Governments have never, ever given up two things. They've never given up power and they've never given up money. The more taxes they get, the more they accumulate and the higher the rate goes. Very rarely does the government give you anything. Actually, it never does. It just takes it another way. And uh, I'll give you some news articles to prove what I'm saying is true. This is from Markets Insider. The title of the article is Americans just got the biggest raise in 17 years. Yay! Too bad inflation canceled the whole thing out. Boo! <laughs> just, just reminds me of this past June when Chipotle had to raise their prices after they gave their employees a, uh, a, a wage increase. A wage increase. This this promise from the government, and this is actually not just the government a government issue. This is a societal issue. The idea that more money would solve my problems. This is not a political issue. This is a spiritual issue. As Christians who believe in the Bible, we know that that is a false. That is a falsehood. That is a lie from the pit of hell. More money does not make you happier. More money does not satisfy your needs. More money does not help you. More money can honestly hurt you. Can destroy you. Scripture says, uh, inheritance quickly gained in the beginning will not be blessed in the end. Get rich quick schemes. Free money. Somebody paying for your stuff. You know, do you know who has people pay for their stuff? Children. Children have people pay for their stuff. Grown-ups don't do that. And there's always this promise from the government that they're going to take care of you, that they're going to wipe out poverty. You vote for us, we're going to wipe out poverty. No, they aren't. They will never, no one will ever wipe out poverty. And I take you to Jesus' own words from John 12, 8. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. You, Jesus said that. You will always have the poor. The poor will always be there. Some people will be poor because they don't want to work. Some people will be poor because they make horrible choices like getting divorced or sleeping around while they're married and they destroy their families and they end up financially wrecked because of it. Some people will be poor because they just don't want to do anything with their life. That's, and then the government comes like says, now vote for me and I'll make you rich. It's like so stupid for us to fall for this, especially as Christians, because Christians know what the scripture says about work. Anyway, I'm on a soapbox big time because it matters. I found this chart. I think this is an appropriate chart. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, your trust in the government is conversely proportionate to your knowledge of history. So the idea here is, and I love this chart. I saw this on social media, that if you don't know history, you would trust the government more. But if you know history, you would trust the government less because governments never give you money. They, <clears throat> they never give you uh, a better life. They take things. That's what they are. They're government. They, they suck. They suck. They suck money out of you. They suck freedoms out of you. And that is exactly what we're seeing right now with all these vaccine mandates, with all of these rules. I just read about Germany is actually putting up a fence for sh Christmas shopping. They're put Germany is putting up a fence for Christmas shopping season to separate the vaxxed from the unvaxxed. Germany going full Germany. <laughs> this country has a long history of fences and separation. They just love it. Anyway, inflation reality is about your life right here. Here we go. Medical costs are up 7%. Gas up 30%. Housing up 10%. Beef prices 22%. Yikes. Chicken 23%. My wife totally knows this because she does the grocery shopping in our house. Milk is up 7.5%. Uh, by the way, 
This one really should tick most of the millennials off. College education has quintupled the inflation index since 1985. Quintupled the inflation index since 1985. That means that college, the price of a college education has gone up five times as much since 1985, whereas average regular inflation one is only one times as much, twice as much, 100%. So what is happening right now in our country is we are being taken. We are being taken by the educated, the elites, the co- I call them the coastal elites, who promise you the good life by paying five times as much for college education, which is probably worth half as much as it was in 1985 because they no longer teach anything. They indoctrinate to give you a college degree that's basically worthless because you're not learning a trade anymore. You're learning ideologies that nobody cares about in the real world. This is where we are. And it's got me fired up because I'm a pastor and I care about the people. So what's the answer, Pastor? Well, the answer is coming from my two friends who are waiting on Zoom with me, and I'm just so excited to bring them on. But let me first do just a little bit of sermonizing for you, okay? Because I am a pastor, and I don't usually sermonize on the deep end, but I'll do it tonight. The answer to inflation is personal deflation. I mean humility. I mean humility. So before you get on your high horse and tell me about how I'm wrong— or you get on your high horse and you think, no, 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 no. This is, I voted for this guy. I know what I'm doing. This is going to work out. Well, let's have all a little bit of humility. Finances are 20% head knowledge and 80% behavior. That means just a little bit of head knowledge is going to change your life. A little bit of knowledge, but you got to learn. You got to learn a couple things. And I want to teach you in about five minutes how to be rich. Three things, three things. Sermonizing. Ready? Number one, be content. Be content. Learn how to accept what God has given you instead of chasing what the devil promises you, what this world offers you, what this world tries to sell you. Here's a great idea. Mute the commercials on your television set. <laughs> Unsubscribe from the mailers, the mailing list. Please, I'm doing this all the time on my, my email address. Unsubscribe, unsubscribe. I don't want to be sold to stuff anymore because I probably will buy it, right? And marketing, marketing, marketing. Shut the marketing faucet off in your life. Uh, Paul says this in Philippians 4.11. He says, not that I'm learning, uh, not that I'm speaking of being in need for, I have learned, learned that in whatever situation uh, I am to be content, contentment. He says, I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. He says, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So that famous line, I can do all things through him who strengthens me is actually on the heels of Paul saying that I have learned contentment. And notice he's learned contentment when he's got nothing and when he's got a lot. And you say, you say, I don't need to learn contentment when I got a lot. I'll have a lot. No, you need to learn contentment when you have a lot too. How do you learn to have contentment when you have a lot? By learning to have contentment when you have a little. Because Jesus said, if you're faithful with little, you'll be trusted with much. If you're dishonest with little, you'll be dishonest with much. Who you are does not change based on the balance in your checking account. It's called contentment. Are you learning contentment? Hebrews chapter 13, verse uh, 5. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have because you've got God. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. I'm talking to Christians now. So that's number one, be content. Number two, be diligent. You want to be rich? Work, 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 and more work. This is one of the lost arts of our current cultural moment. Work produces income, friends. I know you think that government does, but here's what happens. Actually, let me just go back to the government for a second. The government offers people money if they vote for them, and then they get those votes, and they get elected to office, and then they've got to find new voters to promise money so that they get elected again. And so they got to take money from the first group of people that voted for them and pay the next group of people to vote for them, but with the money that they take from the first people, group of people who they got to vote for them in the first place. Do you get it? 
This is why Biden is promising $450,000 per person to whoever crossed the border and then got separated at the border. This is 450000 Some people are going to become millionaires through your tax dollars because somebody vote, promised you more money. But anyway, back to my sermonizing. Be diligent. Proverbs 6, one of my favorite passages. I love this passage. Go to the ant. This is verse 6. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without a chief, without a ruler, without an officer, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O slugger? How long will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Fact. One in three able-bodied American men in age 30 plus are not working right now in this country. One in three. This is insane. I bring you to 2 Thessalonians 3.10. He says, if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Or 1 Timothy 5.8, if you don't provide for your own household, you're worse. You've denied the faith, faith and you're worse than an unbeliever. That's 1 Timothy 5.8. Or Proverbs 21.5, the plans of the diligent surely lead to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes to poverty. In other words, diligence is hard work over a long period of time. You know how our country actually was set up? It was set up this way. You're poor in your 20s. You start to get some money in your 30s. You start to really accumulate some money in your 40s. Then you have money in your 50s. That's how it was supposed to work. That's how it's always been supposed to, always supposed to work. So that you appreciate what you have later in life. And then you can retire. And you can, do, and you can set yourself up to retire by, do, by putting money into tax, uh, you know, tax-free or uh, tax-deductible options for investments during your 20s and 30s and 40s. I mean, this, but this whole system is being undermined by this government that just can't wait to pay you to vote for them. Number three, and finally... Be future-minded. If you want to be rich, be future-minded, which means you got to think about those investment opportunities. you got to think about where to put your money now and where it's going to lead later on. So Ecclesiastes 11 verse 1, cast your bread upon the waters for you will find it after many days. This is an investment principle. Give your portions to seven or eight. In other words, multiple investment scenarios, mutual funds, stocks, bonds, real estate, things that last, things that accrue value over time, not the latest iPhone, even though I have the no, I don't have the latest iPhone. I'm proud. Hey, 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 hey. It's a one-year-old. Anyway, uh, put, things that in, put money into things that will accumulate. Then he says in verse 3, if the clouds are full of rain and they empty themselves in the earth. In other words, understand the seasons. And this is important. Let me bear in. This is a season. Inflation is a season. So what are you going to do in this season to set yourself up for the next season? There's a passage. There's a, there's a story in the book of Genesis about a man named Joseph. Joseph was wronged by everyone in his life, but then he eventually became prime minister of Egypt. And, he had a, and Pharaoh had a dream and he interpreted it about seven years of famine followed by seven, um, seven years of plenty followed by seven years of famine. And he says, let's plan with the seven years of plenty to prepare for the seven years of famine. In other words, let's know the seasons. So that's what we're going to do right now with our two guests in just a moment, because this is so important. You've got to know the seasons. And the last verse that I want to just part, uh, point out to you here is uh, verse four. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. In other words, get busy. Get busy. If you look at the wind, there's always going to be wind. If you look at the clouds, there's always going to be clouds. And if you say, oh, it's not a good day to sow. No, it is a good day to sow right now. Right now is a good day to take back control of your financial situation and do something positive and do something constructive about it because this matters. This matters for your spiritual health. I'm a big proponent of this. I talk about money a lot in my church because if you're spiritually, if you're financially healthy, your spirit life, your spiritual life will benefit from it. If you're financially in distress, your spiritual life will suffer for it. Okay? That's my sermonizing. That's all I'm doing now. 
And I'm going to bring in my guest, and I'm so excited to have Dan Rayberg and Lisa Collagio on my show. Dan began his career with Liberty Mutual in 2011. He won the 2018 Liberty Elite designation, recognizing the top 1% of countryside, countrywide agents, graduated from UMass Amherst and majored in corporate finance. And uh, if you want to know what he does in his free time, he serves at my church, plays golf, and watches Tom Brady win Super Bowls. Boo. Uh, Lisa Collagio has over 25 years of experience working in the tax and accounting industry. She has a bachelor's degree in business administration and a master's degree in taxation. Lisa specializes in the taxation-related issues to estates and trusts. In other words, she knows how you can put your money away to make it work for you later. She's administratively gifted with a keen eye for details. She's a problem solver, simplifying complex issues into easy go-forward plans. Lisa, Dan, hope you guys are unmuted. Welcome in. To your first ever, I think, appearance on the deep end with Tim Hatch Live at Tim Hatch Live. Thanks for having us. Hi, Lisa. Just let me test, make sure you're there. I'm here. There you are. All right, good. We got your audio up. We're so excited. You are here. And uh, we're going to just talk about some things that uh, people bring up in the questions in the comments below. So, again, guys, comments below if you have questions or uh, let me see if I can put this back up on the screen. Here we go. 508-316-9333. 508-316-9333. So text, and I'm going to get those text third party. Uh, and I've already got some questions in. So guys, uh, let me ask you guys on the Zoom, what do you want to do? You want to go to questions? You want to go to your top 10 list for inflationary living? Yeah, maybe hit the list and then let the questions roll in and we can kind of Great. come back if we need to. Fantastic. Let's go into the list. I asked them for this because I am not the total expert. A good pastor, I think, utilizes the gifts in his congregation. And these two are genuinely gifted with finance so inflation game plan number one dan yeah so it's funny you know uh we talked about the same thing in 2020 during the crisis don't freak out i mean uh we talked about it last year we've talked about it over the last five ten years when life throws stuff at you you need to go back to the game plan and it's something me and lisa were, were kind of laughing about you know no matter what the world is throwing at us our game plan hasn't really changed you know when you mm. have a when you are firm in god's principles around finances of you know living on less than you make staying out of debt uh making savings a priority um investing then your game plan doesn't really change much when the world gets flipped on its head and you know i'm a i got a sports background and i use the analogy you know like the patriots bill belichick has in the patriots have such a good game plan every week they Mm -hmm. go in and they do so much preparation Mm. that when game day comes and the other team does something that maybe they weren't expecting they blitz or something they don't just throw their hands up in the air and say okay we're screwed we need to quit Mm. you know they make minor changes and they stick to the game plan and then they execute yeah and finances are no different you know when you are firm and you you're very intentional with your finances then when things like this come up you just kind of it's part of the roller coaster of life and a finance and you keep moving yeah good Number two, Lisa. Cut your spending. Mm. So look for ways to cut down on expenses. What would you say is like right off the top, what do, most often do you recommend? Cut cable. It. Cable. Shut it off. Yeah. <laughs> what else? What would be second? Cars. I'm um, telling you, how many, Lisa, how many people have budgets as the number one line on their, on their, on their budget is car cars. Loans. Car loans, car, you know. What car, else, yeah. Lisa? The... A lot of people dying out. Mm. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Way too much. Um, dying out expense and gifts. 
Mm. giving people a lot of people try to help people when they are not even taking care of their own household mm. good yeah dining out dining out's a huge one I, I guarantee if you just go over look at your budget this month and how much money you spent in october on yeah. dining out it will make you want to puke yeah good number three dan yeah we're, we're working on monthly budget you know people to win with finances it's your money you got to know what's coming in and you got to know what's going out so number one people that that succeed with money write a monthly budget and live on a monthly budget so that they have control and tell their money where to go. Good. Number four, Lisa. Make savings a priority. So many people that we meet with or just in conversation, even family and friends, a lot of people don't even save. Saving is so, so important. Our parents used to do it. Our grandparents did it. For some reason, a lot of people today don't feel that that's important. Now, I always tell the church, you give, save, live, which means give to God first, then save, which is giving to you, your future you, and then spend. And people, they don't save or they don't tithe because they try to do it last. And you would say, give to God first. You would say, save second, and then budget the rest. Absolutely. Yeah. That's where, that's where Absolutely. saving starts. It starts first. Like you got a second. There's only a second to God. But yeah, excellent. Number five, Dan. Yeah, you got to invest in your future. Once you pay off all your debt and you get you out of debt and you have your three to six months of emergency fund saved, it's time to think generationally. You've got to think long-term with finances. The tortoise wins always, not the hare. Uh, with finances, you've got to be intentional and it's got to be long-term. That's how you win. Nothing happens overnight. So what do you say to that 24-year-old uh, right now? He's got... $50 and he thinks, gosh, I could go out to eat with this or I could put it in a mutual fund, but you know what? It's just $50. So what's the use? Like, what do you say to that person? So there's a thing called opportunity cost. And when God puts money in your hand, that dollar can be spent towards a vacation. But by doing that, that dollar no longer can be put towards retirement and mm. vice versa. When the money goes towards retirement, it can no longer be put towards a vacation. So I try to look at each dollar God has put, has trusted me with, and say, is this money best spent, you know, here or there? And the answer might be vacation at that time. Um, but when you look at compounding interest over time, that $50 can turn into thousands of dollars yes. later in life. Yes. I think somebody sent me a picture of, um, and you might know or be aware of this. If a 16-year-old puts $4,000 a year into a Roth IRA for for five years, so from 16 to 21, they will retire a millionaire if they never put anything more into it after that. I sent you that. You sent me that. So it's true. Yeah. <laughs> so I know. Okay, good. It's trustworthy. <laughs> I'm not just getting that off the internet from somewhere. But no, yeah, that's real. I, you know what I did? The first thing I did, I sent that to all my nieces and nephews and my daughter and my sons. Nice. Because I like this is the plan. Like it's not rocket science. And somebody might say, "Oh, four thousand dollars a year. I'm 15, 16. Where am I going to get that?" Okay, well, two thousand dollars a year over eight years, or yeah. you know, or whatever. One thousand dollars a year over fifteen years. Do what? Whatever it is, even the small amount. Good point. Thank you so much. Number six. Who are we on, Lisa? Know that just because prices are going up, that doesn't mean that you're any worse off. Mm, okay, a explain that. A lot of times people feel like prices are going up and I can't afford anything. Well, if prices are going up and you're getting a raise and you still have the same job, actually, let me give you the example of a mortgage. Years ago, when the housing industry tanked, a mm. lot of people walked, they were advised or suggested to walk away from their mortgages. Their job hadn't changed. 
they were in the same house, so they should be paying their bills normally, like nothing's changed. Yeah. But a lot of people walked away from it because they were thinking, my house, my the uh, value of my home has gone down, and so I'm going to walk away from it. I don't, I don't, but like they agreed to make this mortgage payment. If they stuck with it, the housing market went back up, and it would have been fine. Mm. But people just want an out. They just want an easy way out. They don't want to take responsibility. Mm. Mm, that's good. Yep. Number seven, Dan. So negotiate lower prices on big ticket and everyday purchases. Now is time to start being really intentional with your finances. What are you paying in car insurance every month? Have you shopped that? What are you paying on your Comcast bill? Have you shopped that? Do you still need five cell phones in the house? You know, let's start looking at what are my expenses and where have I been you know, maybe I got lazy during COVID. I was getting free money. I wasn't working. I was just living this lifestyle. Where is the time now to start getting really intentional for this month and moving forward for 2022 and beyond? So, yeah, I love that point, too, because that is in your hand. Negotiate. And some people say, I don't like to negotiate. I don't want to be, you know, I don't want them to not like me or whatever. There's, a, there's that thing. There's a, that's a real thing. I don't want the person selling me the stuff to like me. Who cares if they like you? <laughs> Yeah, there's a great, there's a great uh, negotiating tactic is saying that's not good enough and then shutting up. Yeah, and put, it makes that person feel really uncomfortable. They give you a price for their car insurance. Oh, you're paying one fifty. That's not good enough. And then just shut up and see what they do. Ooh, that's so good. I'm gonna write that down because I've never done that. And I am <laughs> I'm a big negotiator. I I would negotiate everything. But the so you say what you say that's not good enough and you shut up. You're you're on the phone with the insurance agent. That's what you say. Yep, you, you know, he's calling, he's saying, Comcast says I can do 189 a month. He's saying, oh, that's not love good it. enough. And then just shut up. And the silence is deafening. Ooh, I love that. Oh, oh, yeah, that's good. That was good. All right, uh, number eight, Lisa. Postpone big ticket purchases and stay away from increasing your debt. So if you don't need to be making purchases, just wait right now, wait it out. Mm. And also go across, as we're talking about with all this stuff, go across all your stuff and look at where you can cut down yeah and when you say postpone big ticket purchase give me the lowest big ticket purchase in your mind like what's the low end of a big ticket what's that in your mind in our household is 300 dollars. okay 300 dollars in your household so uh 20 year old guy what would you say well that's ballpark it, it, what would you say to a 20 year old guy? I would say the same thing, 150 bucks, 150. 200 bucks. You know, you need to, before you, you know what's going to shake your world a little mm. bit. If, it, if, the, if it's big enough, you need to use some wisdom. Let it go a night, pray over it. If you wake up the next morning, you still need that thing. Yeah, I, that was my second question. Define, yeah. Lisa, define postpone. So how, how long is that? Well, most of the time, if you go home and you walk away from a purchase, the next day you'll realize I really didn't need didn't that. Need uh, there's a you know there's a big thing with buyer's remorse. A lot of times when people buy things, they walk away and then they're like, "Oh, I made a mistake." Mm -hmm. A lot of times, if you walk away from it, you know you give yourself you know 24 hours at a minimum. Give yourself a week if it's a lot of money, mm. and just just wait. It's like, do you real? I mean, can you live without it? You know, you were living all this time without it. So can you just, can you hold off? Do you, do you yeah. really need it? People forget what they need. You know, the basics, food, yeah. clothing, shelter, and transportation. They forget the basic needs. They think they need everything else. Yeah, that brings us to number nine, Dan. Yeah, re reconsider needs and wants. It's a great time. Does that, do I need this 
in my life every month, every day, or is this a want? Mm. You know, do I need Starbucks every single day? Do I need to be going out to dinner three times a week? Do I need to be doing girl shopping? Do I need to be in all these different Christmas and holiday gift gift, gift things? Or are those just wants? Mm. Um, you know, this is a great time to kind of get control of that and leverage the word no. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then number 10, Lisa. Don't count on the government. Yeah. Winning is eighty. Winning is eighty percent about your behavior. It's it's what are you doing? How yeah. are you reacting? You're speaking. Single, you're speaking my love language. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say everything on that list, Tim, is all about your behavior. Not yeah. one of those has a single thing to do with the government, with yep. inflation. But it's all your being intentional. Yeah, Ron Swanson is my spirit animal. Uh, he is my hero. I don't know. Obviously, Lisa, you don't watch anything. So it's from Parks and Rec. And the guy is the most anti-government guy in history. And I'm like, I love that guy. Oh, yes, that's right. The government, the government. Uh, anybody who watches this show knows that's exactly what I believe. But very good. Don't count on the government. And winning is, I like that. Put it, the ball is in your court. And um, anything from the content that I shared that you guys think, wow, you know what? That could have been clearer or that could have been better. Or let me just talk on that. Anything from that I've said already from earlier? Because again, you guys are the experts and I want to bank on your wisdom here. I think that you covered a great job. One thing you hit on was it, America is hiring. Like it's time to work. You talked about, I think it was Wednesday night. You can do more. If mm. you are complaining that you're not making ends meet, there is no reason for that right now. You go to any local small business, they are hiring right now. You can do more. Go and get a second income. If you're part-time, go get full-time. Go negotiate better benefits. Employers are willing to pay people more money, better benefits, work from home. You can be a mother and work. There's no excuse right now that if you're not winning to not go out and work. There's two ends of it. It's either what's coming in or what's going out. If you don't have enough coming in, there's only one way to do that is to work. God said, put your hand to the plow mm. and go bring the rain. Yeah, excellent, good stuff. Lisa, anything? Yeah, I um, recently just found a lot of people want to go to college. They go to college. They did not have any money. And they're like, I just can't make ends meet. And they're not working. Mm. You know, maybe they're working one or two shifts, like six hours. Yeah. And they're trying to go to school, but they're not working at all. And, and yeah. to live, you need to work. Yeah, I know. Make want- more. Yeah, I want to brag on my daughter just for a bit because I'm a proud dad. And uh, she was on the show a few weeks ago. So, uh, so I, <laughs> we had to make a hard decision with her college. Like, uh, She went to a year of college. It was really expensive. And I said, Olivia, I, you're going to get into serious debt with this college. This price is astronomical. And I have saved for her college, but not that much. Not, not enough to pay for it at wholesale. And anyway, I want her to have skin in the game. So this year, her sophomore year, she's going to community college. She's taking her gen eds. And she's paying $2,000, I think for the year, $2,000 for all these credits that she's going to be able to transfer to her ultimate school that she wants to go to starting next year. I said, if you do that, I'm going to pay for your junior year and you pay for your senior year. And that's how you're going to have skin in the game. And I'm going to help you out. And she's doing it so far. So good. It was really hard. Listen to me, parents of 16, 15, 17 year old kids. It's going to be really hard for them to do that because they're going to see all their friends go to these colleges and think, oh my gosh, they're going to miss out on life. No, they're going to miss out on debt. They're going to gain life. And uh, she's not working one. She's working three jobs right now and going to community college and saving all kinds of money and paying off her car so that she can be financially independent 
as she gets her degree. And I'm awesome. so proud of her. I just wanted to prag on that. And it was tough. It was tougher. I saw her kind of like, kind of, it was kind of sad to say, my friends are all going back to school and I'm not. And I look like the loser. And you know what I said to her? I said, Olivia, you're not the loser. You just cut five years or 10 years off of student loan pa- payments. That's what you just did. Probably One year for 10 years of freedom. And she's like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. I'm like, <laughs> so, anyway, thanks guys for joining us. And I want to get to the questions because I know you guys have a lot of wisdom in this stuff. So let's get to the question. First question that came in, and I don't think it's on the screen. I don't have any questions on the screen, but I'm going to ask the question. So listen clear, closely, everybody. Here it is. Uh, Megan here. My husband and I have found out we are pregnant with twins. We have three children already and are on the verge of moving to Florida. Woo, yay, Megan. Uh, Apollo Beach, wondering if finances are easier down south. We are going crazy here and dreaming of Florida. Just looking for some extra insight on how to handle financially being a stay-at-home mom of five kids. Three kids is great financially, so we're just sure. So we are sure five won't be too bad. Just like I said, looking for some extra motivation to get to Florida, I guess. Okay, maybe I should answer this one. Paul, do you start off with our finances easier in Florida? <laughs> <laughs> there's no state income tax. I'll tell you that. That's the best part about Florida. And there's a there's a saying down here: "Don't Massachusetts, my Florida." Don't <laughs> like the people leaving blue states to come to red states. It's so funny because they don't think there's a reason why you want to get to the red state. <laughs> there's a reason why, and it's because the tax burden is so much less. I will say this, Megan, that uh, insurance, car insurance, get ready to pay out the wazoo for that. Uh, I will say your water bill is going to go through the roof. You don't have excise tax. You don't have car inspection costs, which is not that, which is nothing. Your gas prices, it depends on where you live, city or country, uh, and your grocery bill will be a little bit less. That's what I know so far. I won't say that it's going to be a wash. I think it will be a little bit less. Um, less expensive, but the salaries are commensurate with the lower cost of living down here. So my, my kids were getting a certain dollar amount when they were working up in Massachusetts. They moved here. They got the same job at the same company and their salaries dropped by 20%, if I'm not mistaken, if I think off the top of my head or something like that. So it is, you know, commensurate. The point, I think, Dan, you would say, and Lisa, you would say this is, again, it's 20% head knowledge and 80% of what you what you do. Yeah, everything you just talked about was everything the government changed from Mass to Florida. The rest is about what she can change. So, you know, you got a move coming. We got to start saving cash quick. You know, there's going to be moving expenses. And then we got to really tighten the budget. We got to know what is salary changing? What are the incoming costs of having a baby? Those are major life things. So, mm. savings is the number one thing that comes to my mind right now. It's time to aggressively save because a beautiful storm is coming, right? It's a beautiful blessing but it could be a little bit more expensive. So it's time to, to make sure that we're not putting this on a credit card. That's good. That's good. All right, next question. Me and my husband are in our mid-40s, have nothing for retirement, and are still in credit card debt. Okay, this is a good question. We are doing our best to pay off our credit card debt, and we don't have any offerings from our employees. I'm sorry, from our employers. What is the best place to start? I feel like we can't even start to save for retirement until we get rid of this credit card debt. I'm giving at least triple to my credit cards, triple the minimum that is, and we tithe and we give, but we still live paycheck to paycheck. Good question. Thank you for that one. So mid forties, no retirement, credit card debt, paying it off, triple what they should pay off or triple the minimum. And they don't have an employer system, which is kind of odd. I think it's a law that people need employer system now. I'm not sure. Uh, but anyway, what, what, do we, what do you guys have to say about that? They have to start. They have to look at what their current spending is and they need to put the brakes on everything. Mm. 
dining out. They need to sit down, do a, a written budget plan. They need to stop using the credit cards, first of all. It's a behavioral thing. They've probably used the credit cards every time there's a crisis. Mm. Um, they need to they need to really buckle up. Um, they need to, to save an emergency fund. So when they have an emergency, they have the money to do that. They need to cut back on double and tripling the payments into the credit cards until they've built up an emergency fund. Oh, really? Okay. So that's, that's number one. That would be number one. Number one, one is save a, save $1,000. Okay. Yeah. So pay then, less of the credit card in order to save $1,000. Right. Because they need to stop using the credit cards. They're probably continuously using the credit cards every time they need to buy something. Mm. So they need, they need a buffer. Mm. Mm. And so it's a behavioral thing. They have to stop using the cards. Um, they have to, if they have cable, they have to cut. If they have phone bills, they have to, re, you know, review their plans. Or negotiate. Negotiate on all that stuff. Yeah. They have to cut down on their dining out, eliminate it, or make it, you know, once every three weeks or something. You, you they need to cut back. One thing, too, that's becoming a trend in our society is subscription services. Like almost every app that you get has a subscription service, right? Uh, every uh, TV entertainment option, $5 a month, $6 a month. And it sounds like it's saving money, but it's really just adding to your monthly bill. And a lot of people will say that it's only $10 a month. It's only. And when they they say only, yeah. it's like, well, yeah, but what's that times 12? But exactly, right? You're back above what you're paying for cable. Let me get to this part of the question because this is important. She feels like she, or yeah, me and my husband. So she feels like they can't start saving for retirement until they get rid of the credit card debt. Is that true? They once, shouldn't start saving for retirement. They they can't afford to right now. Okay, so they can't afford, so, so, so you're right about that then. That's not a feeling, that's truth. Yeah, we well, a lot of times people will push things off and they need to push that off right now, but they need okay. to stop spending. They're yeah. overspending. Yeah. And so stop giving the triple amount, pay the minimum, start saving. $1,000. Save an emergency fund. Now, once they get to $1,000, what do they do next? Then they do the debt snowball, which yeah. is... Pay the smallest uh, amount first. Smallest balance yeah, first. Smallest debt close the account, go to the next one, take that payment that they were using on the first one, use that for the second one. Yeah. So it gets some momentum Yeah. and they need to, and they need to really, really buckle down on this Yeah. Um, and get serious about it. And it doesn't, I don't know if it sounds like they're mad. What do you think, Dan? I thought it sounded like a little bit of a defeated, a defeated thing. So the number one thing is we got to get them riled up. They control their future. Mm. If they want this bad enough, things can change, but mm. their actions need to change. They got into the mess. They got to get out of the mess. So Good. stop spending. Start tonight. Let's look at what does our how much money is coming in in November, and how when tell me exactly where it's going. If you do that budget, and you start telling your money where to go. If you can start making some, you know, save a couple hundred bucks to attack this debt and build up an emergency fund, you'll start having small wins. But you've got to, it's not just going to happen. God's just not going to throw uh, the lottery at you tonight. You've got to, you got to put in some hard work, but it's got, it's rewarding. Once yeah. you start making small wins, you'll have a much different attitude. Great. And you're right there. They, they sound like they're defeated, but um, words of encouragement. Yeah. They can get out of this. Yes. 100%. You guys have helped many people in our church literally uh, perform financial miracles in our church. I mean, I know the names of these people. So this is not, we're not blowing smoke. We're not trying to sell you some kind of, you know, 
get out of debt plan quick thing. There's work to be done. It can be done. Don't be defeated. Don't yes. be defeated. Question. Next question. Uh, what's the, what is the biggest financial stressor facing people that are not actual issues, i.e. what money issue does not need to be an issue? So I would a, just say, I think, I think it all falls under one headline, not paying attention. People aren't paying attention to their finances. They don't know what they're spending money on. And if they just looked, they would be like, wow, okay, that's it. I'm not spending a thousand bucks on restaurants anymore. Let so me ask just, the last part of the question again, though, because I want to make sure we answer it. What money yeah. issue does not need to be an issue? So like maybe people are making a stressful thing about finances that doesn't need to be. I would say, Lisa, I mean, the initial, maybe the initial, like, people are, are scared to even look at their numbers. Like when they come into yeah. class, they're like, I don't even want to look. And it's like, it's not as bad as you think. And you got to give yourself some grace. We, we were never taught this stuff in school. Like you were never taught to live, to, you know, to pay off debt and to live below your means and how to invest. So people like they get stuck in fear. Like, oh, I, I don't want to start because I don't want to look how bad it is. But once you look, it actually gives you a starting point. It empowers you to get going. I don't know. Did, would you agree with that? Dan, you hit on something and it's a paralysis thing. A lot of times people, they won't look at their pay stub. They don't even know what's being taken out of it. They won't look at their bills. They won't even open the envelopes if they, they just let them pile up. So it becomes a complete paralysis thing. And then it's become such a mountain that they feel that they cannot go through it. And they just work and work and work and they don't really dig into what's going on. And then maybe they're going out to eat all the time because they're so stressed or, you know, they go to other things, you know, and they develop a bunch of bad habits when they really need to buckle down and start making a plan and they can get through and they can overcome a situation. But a lot of times it's just opening your eyes to it. Let me take us to the chat because we've got a couple questions there. And I don't want to just favor the anonymous people. Uh, Shyla or Shaney. 1619 says, what is the best advice for someone who just moved to this country and wants to do things right since the beginning from a financial perspective? So what would you say to immigrants in the country? First off, I want to say welcome to the country. And then what about the financial decisions that this person needs to make from the beginning, stepping into America? I would say, first off, you know, you just want to make sure you're doing all the right documentation stuff. Make sure you got your work permits. You know what you have everything you need. So you're going to get me attractive to an employer, right? We got to get you working. The quicker we get some money coming in, the quicker we can tell you what to do with it. Mm. So make sure you've got all that game plan. And then next, don't use any debt. No debt. You're starting free. You're starting where a bunch of millions of Americans wish they were on a clean slate. Yeah. So make savings a priority and go run as fast as you can and tell everybody about it. Lisa? Yes. Dan nailed it on that one. <laughs> the credit cards, big time. When I went to college, my story about credit cards, God kind of woke me up by this. They were giving away free t-shirts if you got a credit card. How stupid is this, right? I totally signed up just for this t-shirt and it was, <laughs> it was, it just said discover card. It was the lamest t-shirt ever. And I just signed up for a credit card for a dumb t-shirt. And uh, this is called predatory lending, right? <laughs> and uh, I just shoved it in my drawer. And this is the true story. April, I, that was in October, April, second semester comes around. We're all thinking about the break, summer break. I get this bill from Discover, $785. I never touched the card. My roommate stole the card, 
charged up $790 on it. And then I called the company. The cops came to my dorm that night, and I never saw my roommate again. It was just that was my uh, scared straight moment for credit cards. And I, you know, Discover Card cleansed the debt and all that kind of stuff because they had a picture of him actually taking the money out of the ATM and everything. So, <laughs> but I was like, wow, that's I wouldn't want that bill. And it kind of scared me straight about credit cards. But you're right, man. Don't let that credit card nonsense get into you, just because it's part of America doesn't make it right. And I think I say that on this show all the time. Thank you for the question. Let's get back to the chat questions. Uh, scrolling, 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 scrolling. Here we go. I hope I don't miss one. Let me just see. Uh, Chris Lassard says, how do you make fi sound financial decisions across the middle tier of costs adding up quickly? Things like kids' activities, sports, health, memberships, etc. So, you know, you're in the middle of life. Your kids are starting to grow up. You got all these other bills. What do you need to do where he is? You need to prioritize. You need to make sure that you have an emergency fund. You need to make sure that your basics are covered. And then you need to prioritize what's important. Perhaps, you know, one sport a year is enough and affordable. And it's not going to be every three months a different sport. Um, because maybe that's not the best thing for your budget. Mm -hmm. it's, you know, you can't, if you can't afford it, you can't afford it. You need to be realistic with your numbers because it's important for you to save for your retirement. It's important for you to be paying all your bills, you know, making sure that you, you are comfortable and you, the, that you prioritize vacation and everything else. It, it might not be a bunch of sports for the children. Yeah. And I would just be extremely intentional, right? So you've got to, you got to know everything that you're paying for is only going to be in cash and nothing can surprise you. You've got to look forward that, okay, Christmas is coming. I put 500 bucks into my Christmas budget and I don't spend a penny over that. I put hundred bucks or 200 bucks into my kids sporting events. And I know that come March it's due or none of that stuff can surprise you because then you're going to, if you're, if you let it surprise you, you're going to use debt and sink yourself. So you've got to forecast out, nothing can surprise you. And it's got to be paid in cash and it's got to be on the budget. If it's all over the budget, you don't pay a penny over it because once you're outside the lines, that's when you get yourself in trouble. I want to say something because I am just beyond Chris's point in life, just ahead of him. I'm about eight years ahead of him in life. Um, and that is a you know chronological eight years. Um, I would say this, that you, I've been doing this, my wife and I have been doing this for 20 plus years, I think since we were married. It, go into your online, here's what I did. <laughs> Open up a bank account, savings account, in a bank that is not tied to any card in your wallet that you if you in order to get the money out of the bank you actually have to go to the bank i did this intentionally because i know myself and then i set up an automatic payment that went out after every paycheck the very next day uh, a portion of my money went to that account every paycheck and it was gone it was like it never exists in my hand and i didn't have i didn't i didn't have a card in my wallet to quickly zip zip in a case of an emergency. In fact, they sent me a card and I chopped it up and I never asked for another one. And uh, I tell you that that's what I did. And many times I've dipped into that savings when it was absolutely necessary, such as buying my second house. I sold my first house, bought my second house. It was kind of like the house that we really wanted. You know, everybody has their starter house. Well, not everybody, but many people start a house, second house. That's when I dipped into that account. I had more than 20 some odd grand in that account by every week, every paycheck, putting it away in an account that I literally would have to go to the bank to touch. 
And so that when you do go and you need it and you got to buy that house, now you have it. That's what I did. It's an awesome way. Automatic saving and it's a great way to tithe as well. Don't let the money ever touch right. your hand. Yeah. If it touches your hands, it feels like it's yours. Yeah, that, those are the two things that happen. I get paid Thursday. Friday morning, tithe goes savings goes they're gone i don't even consider them in my hand because they are for a moment but the principle is there anyway thank you for the question we got lots more questions coming in i want to just get to them down in the chat deluxe says do you suggest using a credit card for online purchases versus using a debit card great question no credit cards <laughs> yeah yeah definitely no credit cards so use the debit card only debit uh, cards have the same exact protection fraud protection they the, the banks have done a great job of, of making it seem like they don't so they use your credit card but it's got the same exact protections that a credit card does mm -hmm. angel santos on the chat is it okay to use credit cards to build credit this is a question that comes across a lot this is the idea i got to build my credit so i got to use the credit card to build credit no lisa go <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, credit card industry will tell you that you need to have more and more credit cards to build your credit. The important thing is to know that if you have a car loan, you're building your credit. The, uh, I would suggest you pull your credit report, go on uh, annualcreditreport.com. You can go through the IRS website. Do not pay for anything. Pull your credit report, look at what's on there. Um, you can get one free from Experian, TransUnion, and Equifax a year. Do not get the score if it's asking you for a credit card and you've clicked the wrong button and you don't want to go forward. You should be paying nothing. So I would suggest you get your credit report. It's actually a debt report and review it and see what's on there. But there are things that you are paying that will, um, like your, if you have a mortgage, it's on there. If you're paying your bills timely, so as long as you're not late with your electric bill, and there, there are other things that are actually shows your payment history, and that's what you really want. Mm. You want to show that you're paying all your bills on time. Mm. Good. Great answer. Let's go to another chat question. What is your advice about people who have student loan debt and are not financially stable? Do you avoid paying it or do you pay it off monthly? I don't know if you can avoid paying it. So student loan debt, not financially stable. Do you avoid paying your student loans or do you pay it off monthly? Well, I mean, I think that with all, all debts include, first off, I apologize that you fell into that like many of us because that student loan crisis is a whole different animal. We could take talk for hours, uh, which is just a big fraud by the mall. But uh, all of our debts, we would normally recommend some paying off minimum balances as you save $1,000 into a, a separate savings account and build a starter emergency fund and then attacking each debt smallest the largest if you're in the middle of a financial crisis you're going to go into bankruptcy because of all your debt and stuff then we would just focus on just the four walls so mm -hmm. your house you know transportation clothing and utilities and put those other debts on hold until though until you're out of the crisis but in a normal situation i would be paying minimum payments on all my debts and focus on getting a thousand dollars in an emergency fund and then attacking my debt smallest to largest as fast as I can. Mm, good. Lisa, did you want to say anything about that? That's it. Uh, well, it's important to know that it is your debt and it is your responsibility. So at some point you are going to need to pay that. It's going to hurt their credit, right? It's a debt. 
Yeah, it's a debt. It's a debt score. Yeah. <laughs> Not a credit score. It's a debt Death score. score. That's right. <laughs> you can you. always fix that. You can yeah. always fix it. Okay. Questions coming in anonymously. Next one. What is the minimum age when you can start investing in a Roth IRA? And I hope this is a young person asking. Yeah, once you start, once you have an actual W two, you can get going, baby. It's time to go. So sixteen years old. Whenever you have a an a active paying legal job, you can start putting money away into a, a Roth IRA. Tim had talked about it. Uh, if if you put, I think it was four grand away, four grand for a year, five years of your life, mm. you'll retire and never touch it again. You retire a mil a millionaire, mm. which is ridiculous. It's, in, it's insane. And explain the difference between a Roth and a traditional IRA, because this is invaluable. Yeah, so a Roth is an awesome, awesome tool because at the end of it, when you pull it, there's no tax. No tax. So let's just say for even numbers, you had 300 grand saved in a 401k at retirement, about one third of that or $100,000 when you pull it stays with the government. Mm -hmm. They get to keep 100 of that 200,000. A Roth, you would keep full $300,000. Because, because because the money goes in after tax. after tax yeah yeah, yeah it's not going to be pulled pre-tax but a Roth IRA IRA is the best thing you can be doing as a young child uh, as a young working 16 18 year old to set yourself up with generational wealth okay i have a question this is my question i should i should have asked this question of you years ago what percentage of your retirement savings should you separate between pre-tax and post-tax payments or investments so you would all, it depends if you have a company match, right? If so, if you have a company match, whatever your company matches, you're going to go with that option first. Let's say they, they match 6% of a 401k and the Roth is no match. I would recommend going 6% up to the match and then the rest going into a Roth IRA uh, to up to a total of 15% of your income. 15% of your income. So match the ma match, whatever your employer does. Yep. And then split the rest out into your Roth. Yeah, and a lot of options these days, they have company match for a Roth as well. So boom, that's it. If they match the Roth, you run right at that. Mm, that's good to know. That's a great That's a great point. And thank you for that. That was actually my personal question because <laughs> I just started with Roth. And you sent me that thing and I opened up a Roth like the next day myself. I'm like, I can't believe I don't have a Roth. <laughs> I'll bill you later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're, the privilege of being on the deep end is payment enough. There you go. All right. <laughs> Next question is anonymous from the from the phone number. And there's the phone number if you want to ask a question quickly because we're going to end the show soon. Uh, what effect will inflation have on the church? Well, I should answer this one. The inflation, spiritually speaking, biblically speaking, it will have no effect on the church because the Lord is the Lord of the church and he is in charge and he will care for his church and provide for his church. Second, the practical answer is that you should know that our church saves and tithes as a church in every season. So we've been saving for years. That's why we are opening up a new location in Taunton, Fall, uh, no, sorry, Tiverton slash Fall River area in New England because we have already been saving. that A lot of that money that's going to go into that building has been saved since 2012. Uh, so we've been investing and saving all those years, and we have the money now to help pay for the expenses to purchase and build out that building. So the the effect of the church or the effect on the church is pretty much the same as for almost everybody else in that we have to also consider these are the lean years 
And our giving might be down because of inflation. So let us be a little bit more diligent as to where we can cut costs. What subscription services can we get out of? And what can we stop paying for that we would normally pay for in a, in a, in a more abundance-oriented season? So a lot of times as a church, and I think that this is why Paul tells the Timothy, he says, look, if you cannot manage your own home, you cannot be a pastor because you're managing God's house. So I always say this, if a man has severe financial um, malfeasance, malfeasance in his life and he can't handle a credit card, he can't handle a debit card, he can't handle a checking account, probably shouldn't be a pastor because there's going to be all those kind of financial decisions that have to be made for your church. And uh, so you got to be diligent in those matters as well. That's what I would say. I don't, know, I don't know if you guys want to chime in on that one. I think you covered it. Okay, thanks. <laughs> Next question. What? Um, I have been retired for about a year, but have not taken any withdrawals from my IRA at this point. What is the best investment strategy to make sure that it is keeping pace with the rate of inflation until I'm ready to start making withdrawals? Great question. Well, first of all, you want to make sure that once you are required to take out your RMD, which is your required minimum distribution, that you are doing that. Why? Because why not? What I mean, what? Why would? What would happen if you didn't? The IRS will charge you fifty percent of what you should have taken out. Man, I'll tell you, the government. Anybody who says the government cares about you does not read the facts. <laughs> so so you have to definitely check the the you know your details on your age and stuff. Yeah, and I, I would say uh, it's time to, you're in asset preservation mode. It's time to sit down with a financial advisor and get a game plan. Um, you know, myself and Lisa, we're absolutely not financial advisors. Don't don't pretend to be. We're just somebody that, you know, we believe that God has, has showed us, uh, you know, some truths about finances. But you're in the, in the time now that it's time to sit down with somebody, make a game plan that you trust. Make sure it's something that he's coaching you on. You don't just do something because someone told you to. You fully understand the game plan so that you're not uh, just walking through these important years of your life. You know, God has blessed you with wealth now at this point, I'm hoping. So let's make sure you have a really good game plan for this next, you know, next phase of your life. Anything else on that? Because that's a great question. I think a lot of people, they spend a whole lot of time saving for retirement and then they get to retirement and then they don't know what to do in retirement. I would say to figure out what your spending really is. So look at your monthly budget, look at your annual, look to see how much money you need and how much money you want. And then when you can sit down with you know, a trusted advisor, looking at your portfolio, there'll be a plan as far as how far you can go, or maybe you want to make a purchase and when you should make that big purchase or, um, you know, a big picture plan. Mm. Yeah. And, and like you had talked about, so some of your money is going to obviously be in safer funds because, you know, you might be in some of a bonds or something like that. But let's say he's 65 and he's in good health. Statistically, he's going to live past 85. So a portion of that money still can be in the market. Uh, maybe not all, maybe 30% of it, 50% of it, mm. some portion of it still can be aggressive good. because he's not going to need it for 5, 10, 15 years. So once again, that just comes down to sitting down with an advisor, having a really good game plan. Um, and you know, having a you know having a good idea of what the money's going to be doing. Great, great answers, guys. As a, I should answer this one because I just said it. As a forty-four-year-old, is it ever too late to start a Roth IRA? I say no because I just did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's never too late to start doing this stuff. That's an important point to to make. 
Yeah, Colonel Sanders didn't fry his first chicken until he was like 75 years old. So it's never too late to start something and get rocking and, you know, never too late to start saving, start making the right directions. Even if you might think it's too late for you, someone's watching. You got kids, you got grandkids, Mm. somebody's watching. You can change generations. All it takes is one person in the generation to say, no more. I'm done with credit cards. I'm done with student loans. I'm going to be intentional about this stuff. And you can change your family tree. Yeah. Excellent. Okay, last question that's been given. So it's going to probably be the last question that we are going to answer unless somebody wants to real quick put one in the chat below. But I'll give you about, you know, until the answer of this question is done to fill in that question. So here's the question in the chat from Terry Powers. With the government's insatiable appetite, will Roths I with will Roths be tax-free in the future? Crystal ball time. Mr. Ball tells me. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what's that? Uh, the eight ball uh, outlook not good. <laughs> <laughs> I would, yeah, you know, I would. Uh, I couldn't tell you anything. I would keep running as fast as you can, either under the certain laws. Um, I don't trust a single thing the government says. I trust what's in, in legislation now, and that's all you can do. And trust the Lord, you know. That's right. Trust the Lord. Absolutely, and they could change that. They could say that you know, Ross. They could eliminate they could. that. They could change it. Jerks. We don't know. <laughs> they could also dangle that they're going to pay your student loans off the rest of your life, and you can never do a, a thing about it and then still have hundreds of thousands of dollars in student loans. So I don't trust a single thing they say. It's about what you can do. Uh, that's how you win with money. Yeah, that's what I hear from the millennials that I know in the surveys that I read about uh, their Biden regret vote. I think the millennials went heavily in favor of Biden and they're all mad because he's not paying off their student loans. Like like he was just going to get to the Oval Office and sign a paper and their student loan was going to be done. I, I, another problem with our country is people don't know civics anymore. You know, you know yeah. what I'm saying? They don't know how the government works. They don't know checks and balances. They don't they don't even know that the president doesn't write laws like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's multiple, yeah, there's different branches of it. So, you know, I don't trust a single word they say to begin with anyways. Yeah. Uh, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Uh, oh, Douglas White chimed in. Hey, Doug, he's a financial advisor. And he wrote, I want to make sure that we highlight this. The new age for required minimum distribution is 72. Don't forget to take out your minimum distribution if you're 72. So that was a good note just to make sure that we're clear on as we discussed that. Guys, I'm so glad that you were here. I'm so glad everybody was here. This went long, but it went long on t- purpose because I want to help you. I I want the deep end to be a blessing to your life, not just something that you do. And I'm so glad. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Dan, for being on. Down in the comments below, would you show them some love? Say thank you. Say whatever comes to your mind. Great people, A-plus people in my church, and I'm thankful for their time tonight on Tuesday. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Guys, it's been awesome being here on the Deep End Special Inflation Special. <laughs> if it is, if there's anything special about that, I'm so glad that you were here. I look forward to seeing you tomorrow night now because tomorrow night is what? Tomorrow night is the Deep Dive where we get into Romans chapter 4, verse 13, if you want to read ahead and prepare your heart for what God's going to say tomorrow. Remember, we are also on Rumble when YouTube cancels us for criticizing the government, you're going to want to go over to YouTube. Uh, you want to go over to Rumble. That's timhatchlive.com slash Rumble. If you can support the channel uh, after you 
after you tithe and after you save and take care of your business, well, I'd be very much appreciated. Check out all the swag at timhatchlive.com and make sure that you have subscribed to youtube.com slash timhatchlive. Like and subscribe. As I always say, make sure you hit that like button. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Make sure that you hit that notification bell so that you can get notified every time we go live. It has been a pleasure being with you. I will see you tomorrow night on the deep dive. God bless everybody.